Morning Liberty. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. I'm the one, the only, the best host of this show, Charlie Chuck Thompson. Thanks for joining me again today, Nate. Uh, I know you've missed me while I've been out this week. It's been difficult. I, I know. It's hard yeah. when you're... you're your better half let's say exactly (laughs) have you ever do you know how hard it is to do you know i've said this before but props to anyone who does a podcast where they're the only one talking and they don't have anyone to bounce any ideas off of no one better they're better than you no one to look at no No one one to to interrupt you know even (laughs) even jason has matt you know he's he's at least got that every once in a while so you can say you know you know, man, you know what I'm saying? And someone can come in and do that. You don't have that when you're doing this by yourself. No. So go back and listen to how freaking good I did it on yesterday's episode. Don't listen to Tuesday's episode. That wasn't the best game that you've ever heard. But go back to yesterday's episode. I know it says debate, lowlights, but it really is about a lot more than the debate. There's like two minutes worth of debate clips in it. And then just a lot of really good points around it. A lot of really good ones. So. What is... Uh- uh, who's a really good just like two hour long speaker like Jordan Peterson? Yeah, he can that talk. Guy, he can go on and on and on. Yeah. He does say you know now he like, to the crowd. He but. he loses me. He loses. I think a lot of people. It's tough to listen to someone because he goes so deep. He's like, let's talk about this and then let's go a level beneath that. And this is why this, and let's go a level beneath that. And let's talk about why this is happening. He he gets on a side tangent for like 20 minutes and then comes back to the point. Which is good. Yeah. I love listening to him talk. Great. Um, Yeah. Hey, so subscribe to the podcast. Once again, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Speaking of Jordan Peterson, the pursuit of meaning, not the pursuit of happiness. You got to find you's some meanings okay you got to figure out what your life is all about why are you here what are you working towards every single day what's your goal are you making the world a better place are you working towards a goal that's going to make your family better you got to find that meaning because that's what's going to get you up every single day out of bed if you don't have the meaning it's just a terrible awful life just going through punching the clock don't know what you're doing just kind of floating around that's how you can get depressed let me tell you what finding some meaning that's enough to get you out of depression. That's it, it really is, except for Charlie. Well, you know, the, yeah. the, the steps to get you out of depression are the hardest steps to take. Yeah, because well, yeah. you're depressed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But to how you get out of it, like the cure for it, it's the hardest thing to do. But you just got to do one at a time. It's it's very difficult. It's like having it's like having a broken leg and being like, by God, I'm going to run five miles. That's what I'm going to do. That's kind of what getting out of depression is like. Yeah. And you just got to do it. You it's say, just instead of a broken yeah. leg, it's a broken brain. Yeah. Your brain's broken, <laughs> but luckily you can fix it if you decide to. Trust me, it's possible. It's really possible. I heard from Charlie. He did it. So it's uh, <laughs> it's very possible. We got stuff you, to talk uh, about. Earlier, you remind me of Paul Rudd from Wonderlust, the, yeah. the, the mirror scene, oh, yeah. when you said, you got stuff. <laughs> yeah, I can't obviously repeat can't that right now. Saying. Maybe in the post show, which you, you guys can get on patreon.com. You going to take it? You going to take it? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm fixings. <laughs> and then uh, I'm a puts my... Yeah, <laughs> I was actually quoting uh, one time. I know you don't watch The Office as much as I do, but uh, there's a point where Michael Scott is is talking to his boss, David Wallace, and talking about his failed relationship with someone. And he goes, 
you know, David, sometimes you just gots to get your freak on. <laughs> Saying that to the CFO of the company. It's, nice. hilarious. it's hilarious. So anyway, we got to talk about one thing about Trump. Uh, he's, his polls are rising among none other than Hispanic voters. That's interesting. That's a really interesting point. His polls are like double what they were for Hispanic voters back in 2016. So, you know, that that's looking better for him. And then we got to talk about this old virus that's going around, you know, just it's, it's apparently the most deadly thing we've ever seen. It's the worst thing since the swine flu. Let me tell you what. It's the worst virus we've seen since that, for sure. So we got to talk about the coronavirus, not to minimize anyone who has it or has been affected by it or has died from it, anything like that. That's not why we're going to talk about it, but we got to talk about some perspective. We got to talk about some responses. We got to talk about the fact that apparently it's become a political weapon. Also, Trump's response to the coronavirus. I'm not exactly sure how you can say we've had a failure of a response when you've got 60 people that have been infected with it in the U.S. uh, and 45 of them were from a cruise ship that had been in China. So I'm not exactly sure how this is a a failure on the part of those running the CDC or anything like that. Um, This is not a big deal in the U.S. yet. Like all new viruses, they pop up. We try to find its origination. We make a vaccine, and then and then everything is okay after that. And we've known about this virus for what two, three months now. Three months mm-hmm. it's been going around. Like, hey, everybody, calm down. It's okay. Most of the people that have been affected by this are in China, which is overpopulated. It's got a, over a billion people in it, ran by a communist government. It's really interesting. Elizabeth Warren's talking about how we got to centralize all the power with the CDC and make sure the White House has control over this. And and she really talked about centralizing all of the disease response powers. And I was like, this disease originated in one of the most centralized countries in the world. And still spreading. And is, it is the worst out of all of the countries who have had it. They've got complete central authority over it complete since it's always like I'll they're do actually it. like attacking people in the streets i know it's always like yeah like the, force quarantine the coronavirus is leading to deaths from the government <laughs> so <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> it's been about the most dangerous part so far as, as i can tell but uh, yeah we want to talk about that but you want to tell me about uh about old trump that old trump and his hispanic vote yeah let's talk about it first <clears throat> but first know, um the the whole corona thing uh, it's just a hoax it's not a hoax <laughs> it's a real virus but the fear mongering might exist my conspiracy well, we'll, theorist mind yeah. i mean we could speculate for hours about we conspiracy could start a whole, theories we could start a whole coronavirus podcast we could maybe we should well we, I, should. we don't have enough things right now so let's do yeah. that let's add that in too no but my we conspiracy have all these theorist, ideas i'm just like man if i were china what would i do you know, this this could end up working out really well for them. This could end up working out really well for a lot of people because of our economy being tied to them. Uh, they're overpopulated. They need to have more power and more control. And the idea of a virus originating there that's going to kill a lot of Chinese people and crash the U.S. stock market at the same time, while they're just going to freely print their money and exert their control and their force over their people and their economy. Well, if I were going to try and crash the U S economy and try to get rid of a president who's enacting all kinds of tariffs on all of our goods. And the one thing he could win on would be the economy and the stock market. I mean, this isn't really the 
worst idea. Yeah. And it really isn't. I'm not saying that's what's happening. going exactly I'm, to plan. I'm not saying that's what's <laughs> happening. I'm saying the conspiracy theory Except is part of my brain. It, he said it in Chinese, which I can't emulate because yeah, I don't, I don't what know what it. I don't I'm, know the Chinese. I don't know it. No. But he's basically saying this is going according to plan. But anyway, let's talk about Trump first. <coughs> I have been sick. I have been sick for months now. You got the coronavirus? Maybe. Oh, man. Maybe I'm infected with it. It probably means I have it, too. Yeah. You got it, too. You had fevers and stuff. I had fever for one day. Yeah. The thing about it is I'm not dead. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Trump on pays for record Hispanic vote. I thought he hated all of them. Yeah. And they uh, hate him. Yeah, he's... they hate him. They can't stand him. <laughs> this is from the Washington Times. Um he was told being strict on illegal immigration would doom him among Hispanic voters. Yet President Trump has defied their predictions. From the moment he delivered his iconic address to the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is CPAC, in 2013, warning the Republican Party that legalizing 11 million illegal immigrants was political suicide through the 2016 presidential election and into the White House. Now, nine months out from his second election day, and despite a tenure in the White House that has involved building a border wall, stepping up deportations, and insulting some Latin American nations as whole countries, Mr. I thought he was talking about African countries when he said that. Yeah, I'll have I to know. go back and look at that. That could be incorrect, but Mr. Anyway. Trump is as strong as ever among Hispanic voters, according to the polls. Huh. One poll, which you guys know how we feel about polls, but anyway, this is interesting. <laughs> One poll puts his approval rating as high as 44% and shows him winning 41% of the Hispanic vote in a head-to-head matchup with Senator Bernie, Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont. That's how the article <laughs> is reads. Is that what it says? <laughs> Bernard Sanders. Senator Bernard. <laughs> that would best his 2016 showing of 28% support and put him in the running with President George W. Bush for the highest share of Hispanic votes for a GOP candidate. Quote, Latinos have lost the fear of Donald Trump, said Alfonso Aguilar, who ran the Department of Homeland Security Citizenship, Citizenship Office in the Bush administration and now runs Latino Partnership for Conservative Principles. Well, imagine that. Yeah. Weird how he, that works. He did say Haiti and El, El Salvador were the countries that they were specifically talking about in that comment. So ah, okay. I guess we do have El, Sar, El Salvador in there. Yeah. Which is and, Spanish for and Haiti, Spanish Latin for um, Salvador. So yeah. just in case the Salvador, the Salvador. Yeah, <laughs> just in case you wanted to know right. the extent of my Spanish know-how. Exactly. <laughs> so this sorry, is, uh, go ahead, man. No, I'm just saying this is interesting that um, even though he's been very adamant about illegal immigration. It seems like the Hispanics support that. Yeah. I, you do hear from a lot of, let's say, legal immigrants that they're mad that all these illegals are coming over and they had to wait 10 years to get yeah, in. Yeah. That I, would make you mad. I think that's some of it. I think that's a big portion of it that they had to go through such a difficult period of being allowed to become a citizen. You know, the other part of it, the, the main thing I wanted to say um, immigrants are typically, especially from, say, Mexico and all, they're very hard workers. Very hard workers. And you have to look at the types of governments that these people are running away from to come here. I don't think it's immediately obvious that they want to come to the U.S. and take part in making the government this big, huge thing that's got power over every single thing in the entire economy and taking taxes out of their paychecks and, and doing all that. I don't think that that's something that Hispanics will immediately support. I think, no, because they know what it's like. Yeah, because, I mean, look at where they're coming from. 
they're hard workers. I mean, I know from my dad uh, owning a farm, we had several migrant workers that would come in and work, and they would just run circles around the people from the actual area. In the construction industry? Oh, yeah. The restaurant industry? I, I, mean, was, I was doing construction work for a couple of years. I mean it's just a fact of life. The painting crews that were all Hispanic would come in, they'd paint an entire house in two days. They'd put up all the drywall in the house in two or three days. I mean, just very, very hard workers. And when you have that kind of work ethic in in your heritage and your culture, I don't think that immediately leads to thinking that other people who aren't working their butts off all the time, doing manual labor and doing all these things to try and get by. I don't think that immediately leads to you thinking that your income should go to those people. I just, I don't think it does. I think uh, just say minorities overall, people are occupy a lower percentage of the population. I think minorities overall have been sold this idea from the Democratic Party, from liberals and socialists overall, that they're going to take care of them. But I, I don't know if they're going to continue buying it forever. Most people don't want to be taken care of. Yeah, they want to. Most people like inherently, I know that you want this Medicare for all and you want that like in the back of your mind. Well, it could be nice if I don't ever have to pay for anything. But you got to ask them, like, what do you really want? What do you really do you want to have to be living off of this? Do you want to have to be using the income of another person to get by in your life? I don't think people really deep down want that. And I think you see that reflected in a culture that is very hardworking, very, very, very family oriented. And uh, they're, you know, I, I just, I think that shows through with all the things that Trump has said, all the things that he's, that he's done and you get the child separation and all these things that he's still grew from 28% support in 2016 to polling at 44% right now in 2020. After all the stuff of him being president, we're like, well, you know, actually, this hasn't been that bad. I mean, good Lord, the child separation policy was there during the Obama administration. You know, the first picture that ever came out about the child separation was a photo that was taken while Obama was president. Like that, I think that they see through a lot of this stuff, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, they're in the community. They're actually in the community. <laughs> right. Then they see, we, we want jobs. We want to be self-sufficient. We don't want that, the government to have that much power because look at where we just risked our lives to come from. You know, that I don't, I don't think it's as obvious as the Democrats or the liberals want to, want to pretend like it is. Yeah. Hey, you know, what's crazy speaking about polling is 28% of Americans are Democrat, twenty eight percent are Republican. So they identify forty one percent identify as independents. Most people, this is what surprises me about the liberty movement. Most people, when you go out and talk to regular Americans, either they're not involved in the political environment because they it's too much. They don't they hate all the infighting or the fighting back and forth. And honestly, they believe what we believe. Like they just want to be left alone. They want to go to work. They want their kids to have decent schools. And they want to raise a family and, and live a fun life. Yeah. They want to be able to take a few vacations. They want to make sure the economy's doing good. They don't care about all the details. Yeah. They really don't care. This is why, you know, the Libertarian Party, or at least the Liberty Movement, is struggling. Like, we got 41, the majority of the population, because you got Republicans and Democrats only at 28%. And a note on 41% that, by the way. 41% of people actually believe what we believe. Yeah. It's the biggest market. Yep. Why aren't we getting them? Why aren't we capturing them? What's wrong? Because the Libertarian Party is terrible at messaging. It Absolutely is. Absolutely terrible. 
They continue to be terrible. It's awful. And that you should be getting way more than one one million votes or three million votes or whatever it is. You have to you have to actually speak to these people where they're at. They believe the same things you do. They yeah. don't want the government taking care of them. People want to. You have to have a sense of purpose and meaning in your life. And if you're just taken care of, you'd have none of that. Life gets worse. Yeah. And people like getting up and going to work. They like accomplishing things. Like think about what you celebrate in your own life. You know, you celebrate weddings and births and you celebrate job promotions. You celebrate starting that new business. You celebrate selling that new client or getting the big sale. Retiring. You celebrate retiring. Like you have, you celebrate all these milestones of what? Accomplishment. People want to accomplish things. You have to, you have to aim at something and accomplish something. And that's what you end up celebrating. And it's the feeling, you know, compare the two feelings when someone gives you a thousand dollars and says, here you go, I'm going to help you out versus you actually did something that people thought was valuable and you earned that thousand dollars on your own. Compare the two. Now you can look at the utility of the thousand dollars and of course you can use it to pay bills and stuff like that. But think about your emotions behind that. You have a little, you know, sure you've got some gratitude for the thousand dollars unless you think that it was owed to you in some kind of way, then you don't have any gratitude for it and that's a problem. But you've also got... uh, the guilt behind it coming from someone else when someone else gives you money. I've had to help. I've had to have a friend help me out, you know, 500 bucks to, to pay something before several years ago, before I was rolling in it, you know, but, uh, you know, I had to have people help and that doesn't feel as good as actually making the money on your own. It just doesn't. And you got to look at your society as a whole and say, what's going to actually make people happier What's really going to fulfill their meaning in their lives? And it's not handouts. It's not dependency. That's, that's not what it is at all. No. You know, people in the Scandinavian countries, you could say, well, they're happier. They pull the happiest. First off, happiness is completely relative. The most it's an arbitrary the happiest <laughs> person, The happiest person in the world could be someone who lives in an African tribe that has no cell phone and no running water and nothing, but they're the happiest person in the entire world. So th- your happiness... It's a completely happiness, subjective measure. Yeah, it's completely subjective. You know, maybe Americans are... Maybe we want more than other countries do. Maybe we always strive for better and for better than what we are right now than other countries do, which would lead to you be feeling more unhappy on a pole because nothing is ever good enough, ever. Whereas if you have another culture where you do accept this is good enough, I don't need more than this, I don't want more than this, well, then you would automatically pull happier and you might not even have as good of a standard of living. Well, consider this variable even. If you pull alcoholics who are drunk, they're happy. Yeah, true. If you pull them while they're not drunk, they're not happy. Yeah, but are they better? Yeah, right. I mean, that's, it's that's just that's a the complete answer. subjective variable. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like... It all depends. Like if you're, um, you know, if you're not rich and you want to be rich, then you're like, oh, I'm not happy yet because I haven't hit my goal. Yeah. It's, it's completely subjective and an arbitrary measure. I was, you know, I spent the last several years being extremely unhappy and I, I set out goal. You know, when we got out of high school, we had these goals of making it in music. Like that was our goal. And I always try to tell myself, well, you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be famous or whatever. I'm going to make a living, playing music for the rest of my life. And every time we hit a goal, every time we achieve something, 
I got less happy. <coughs> now that doesn't seem to make any sense really whatsoever, but I felt less happy the more things that we achieved because the more things that we achieved, the more I wanted to achieve, the more I was worried about losing it and the less happy I became the whole time. That was completely relative. You might go to my high school self and say, hey, what does making it music be? You know, what if I told you that someday you would be all over MTV and you have a number one song and you would act in a commercial and you would you would do all these things related to you being a musician and you would go to 16 countries and you play in, in 46 states. Like if I went to my high school self and I said, you're going to do all this stuff, my high school self would have been like, whoa, that's amazing. You're I'm telling so happy. that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm so happy. That's, that is success right there. That sounds like success. But then... The further I got into it, the less happy I was because I just wanted more. And that's how it's completely relative. Now, I might tell that story to someone else and they would think right now, like, what, really? You have, you know, every single time there was a commercial break on MTV, there was video of your band uh, playing between each, each show on every commercial break. Like, how are you not happy about that, dude? That doesn't make any sense. So that's relative. It's completely relative because I did not, that did not make me happy at all. It might make someone else happy. This whole happiness index, this happiness poll, uh, it means nothing whatsoever. Yeah. It's, it's completely relative, completely subjective. So, well, anyway. that's what you have to do with any study and stats. You yeah. Know? Is it repeatable? What are they actually asking them? You know, well, and you, what, I love one study that you pulled out. You said 28% Democrat, 28% Republican, and like 40% are independent. Uh, and the rest are, you know, they just, they don't know. So when you see these polls, they'll say at the bottom, you got to go to the PDF. You got to actually look at the research study. You got to actually read how they actually did it. They'll say, we polled 1,000 likely Republican and Democrat voters. That's what they'll say. So they're polling only Republican and Democrat voters when they do that. And I think actually there's, a, there's slightly more of one of the Republican or Democrat. I can't remember which one has slightly more than that, unless you just pulled up that number. And that's what it was. It's like 29, 28. Yeah, it's, and then, it's very close. Yeah, but 29% Democrat, 28%. You'll find like in the Medi who supports Medicare for all study, that whole 70% of the country supports Medicare for all, like 60% of the people they polled were Democrats. And the other 40% were Republicans and they didn't pull any independents at all. Like that's how botched these polls are. That's how much they, they don't really work. Not only that, when you ask the subsequent question of, would you be okay with banning private insurance? The number that support Medicare for all drops all the way down to like 30%. Yeah. yeah really low. Even among Democrats. Yeah. They're like, no, we don't want to get rid of private insurance. I, I talked about this yesterday on the, on, on the episode, which you should go listen to episode one ninety four five something like that this is the one um, this is the 195 challenge so, yeah take the 195 episode challenge and get back to us there will be a quiz on our website you have to go take and make sure that you did listen <laughs> to all of the previous episodes so uh yeah um i talked about how uh i i talked about how these countries that we're talking like we want to emulate they've all got private insurance Europe's got private insurance all throughout. Canada's got private insurance. Australia's got private insurance. So first off, they've already got it. Then you got to ask yourself the question, why, if they've got truly free healthcare, where you don't have to pay for a thing, don't even know a word yet, when you don't have to pay for anything, why have all those countries found a need for private insurance? 
Why are there actual private insurance companies? That's because they don't cover everything. They, they strictly don't because they have all these elective procedures and all these things for older people. They decide they're not going to have them do. They decide that you don't need the operation. You need the pill instead. And so the person says, well, I still want to do it and I'm going to have private insurance cover it for me. And so that's why they have private insurance. That's the problem with not allowing private insurance in the U.S. because the government will regulate what you can and can't do when they are the payer for everything. They will decide whether or not they're going to pay for it if they think it's needed or not. And the doctors and the hospitals will decide whether or not they're going to do it based on whether or not Medicare for all says they're going to pay for it. Exactly. There will be rationing of care, just like there is in all of these other countries that have their Medicare for all. That's why they have private insurance. Well, Nate, you're just fear mongering now. Yeah, that's what it is. Just a bunch of fear monger. Oh, okay. Let's talk about. Tell the, us about this coronavirus. Let's talk about the coronavirus real quick. Corona. Okay. The coronavirus. It's an epidemic. Let's talk about it. This is from what the heck is that website? Get to your safe places. <laughs> this thing's breaking out. It's out of controls. First, <laughs> first, build your bunker. Start digging. First U.S. First U.S. coronavirus case of unknown origin confirmed in Northern California. CDC says. Are those tornado sirens or the coronavirus sirens? We got the coronavirus <laughs> sirens are going off. Officials with U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention confirmed the nation's first coronavirus case of unknown origin on Wednesday in Northern California. The latest sign of the virus's rapid spread. One of the most communist states we have somehow <laughs> broke funny. out in California. Funny. It, is a, it is a confirmed case. There is one in Northern California, CDC spokesman Scott Pauley told the Sacramento Bee, that's what it is, sacbee.com, <clears throat> just before 4 p.m. on Wednesday. In the Northern California case, the individual is a resident of Solano County and is receiving medical care in Sacramento County. The individual had no known exposure to the virus through travel or close contact with a known infected individual, California Department of Public Health officials said in a news release Wednesday evening. State public health officials in Sacramento citing the U.S. CDC and, uh, yeah, CDC, said the case is the first person-to-person transmission of the coronavirus. So what this means is... All the other cases so far have been you were in contact with a Chinaman or you were on a cruise ship that was in China or you were unpacking goods at a shipping port that came from China. Something like that. That's what the that's what the transmissions have been. So this one is the actual first person to person where where we don't know exactly where it came from this person did not have any contact with say uh i don't know anyone from china anyone who had just been to china they weren't working uh, on a cruise ship or anything like that so they don't know where this came from so this is call for an alert for sure now we've also got i've got a few articles in here about the old coronavirus let's see we're gonna have drug shortages by the way that's that's what we got we're gonna have drug shortages. As the novel coronavirus paralyzes large chunks of China's economy, another possible result from the outbreak could strike closer to home for many Americans. Shortages of life-saving medication. The U.S. relies on China for electronics, clothes, toys, and increasingly prescription drugs. About 90% of the active ingredients used by U.S. companies in drug manufacturing come from China, which has prompted politicians and public health experts to express concern over potential shortages of common generics. 
The FDA said, we'll see who's behind it here. It's the brand name drug manufacturers. That's who created this. The FDA said earlier this week it was tracking about 20 drugs that are manufactured primarily in China. Depending on the drug, stockpiles lasting weeks, perhaps months, have been warehoused, according to supply chain experts. He says it's an issue now. That's David Jacobson, Jacobson, a professor of practice at Southern Methodist University's business school. If China isn't in, in a position to turn drug manufacturing around, then we don't have an alternative source from which to source them. So they're talking about how we're going to have these shortages. They go on throughout the article to talk about how we're going to have shortages and all kinds of other things. I don't know if you've been to a Home Depot recently, but they've got signs over the masks that are in there that you would buy for doing drywall, for painting, stuff like that. You're only allowed to buy a certain amount of them, so they're already rationing the masks, and, uh, and that's how they're trying to take care of this. Actually, most of the masks are gone. Most of the shelves are empty. So people have been going through and buying these all up because they're, they're getting ready for the coming outbreak. Probably going to try and sell them on Amazon or something like that once the outbreak happens. Charlie, what would you do to prevent a shortage? What would I do to prevent a shortage? Yeah. <clears throat> Not limit things. Yeah. yeah. Not limit things because that causes hoarding immediately. Uh, the other thing is, is I would allow prices ah, to determine. How about that? That way there's no shortages. Yeah. Because that's, that's what happens in a free market. That's the, you know, we've done. Uh, what, I, is, what is economics? What is economics? Supply and demand. It's the study of scarce resources that have a study of the allocation of scarce resources that have alternative uses that's that's what economics is everyone listen to basic economics go listen to it nine times and then come back and uh tell me what you learned from it it's a really great book so we did a quite unpopular episode and article about price gouging and we talked about how price gouging is just supply and demand that we don't like that's really all it is, because throughout a normal market, which you learn about in the third grade, by the way, yeah, throughout a normal market, we all know that supply and demand dictates prices. You've got way too much of something and not enough people want it. Then the prices go down. You, it goes on clearance. You, you don't shop the clearance rack. Yeah, that's because ain't nobody buying it. You, yeah, you don't have enough of something and everyone wants it. Then the price goes up. Everything's an auction. That's really all it is. You've got an auction. There's one item up there. Is the room full of people? Or is there only one person in there? And are there unlimited supplies of it? Or is it actually a fixed supply? So it's just an auction all the time. People don't like price gouging because it seems unfair. It seems greedy. It seems terrible. And I get the arguments about that. People are in need and you're raising your prices up. The problem is what we need right now and say masks and, and medications that people are hoarding where they're buying up 90 day supplies of stuff right now uh, of common medications they're 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 buying up as much as they can what would actually solve that is raising the prices uh, because the demand for the item has gone up the supply is roughly the same the price needs to go up if you raise the price of a face mask which you can get for like a dollar fifty at home depot if you raise the price up to $5 for the face mask, then the people who are going through there trying to buy them up are going to buy a whole lot less of them. And that's how you actually keep a supply of something. That's how you make sure you don't run in the shortages. All these countries who have ran in the shortages on everything, including food, are people who are putting price controls on items. And then what would happen? You have gas shortages in the 70s, things like that. You put in price controls and then people come in and they start hoarding. They start buying it up. What actually needed to happen 
was the people needed to be allowed to raise the prices on that item so everyone would purchase what they need. That's how you would actually get them to purchase exactly what they have to have, and then you wouldn't run out of the supply. And because you raised the price, more suppliers would come in because now they might be able to get a higher price for it and the market would balance itself out. Actually, they would come in and produce so much of it that it would allow for the price to come back down afterwards because they would produce such a high supply. Or they'd be willing to say in a hurricane zone, they'd be willing to risk. That, yeah. That's they'd a, be like, okay, well, you know, now I can potentially put my life in a little bit more danger because I can make, you know, $5 a gallon versus only $2 yeah. a gallon. You've got to be, if you're a grocery store owner and you're down in Florida, you got to think, well, by the way, grocery, uh, grocery store owners can be killed by hurricanes also. So they have to take that into consideration. Now, what price would I have to charge to make me willing to risk my life to stay here and sell things? Or if it's going to be the same amount and everyone else is going to be gone, by the way, maybe I'm just going to close up shop and get out of here. So what price is it that you could raise it up to that would actually consider, make me consider risking my life to stay in this area? Because that's what they're doing. And so they raise the price up to something that is worth it for them to stay there. And they have to account for the fact that their supply chain might be gone and they might not be able to restock for two or three weeks afterwards. So they got to try and get enough money to live off of for a few weeks where they can't have any more goods. So they got to make enough money off of what they've already got to be able to pay their bills because they got bills too. Okay. So and don't don't sit out there and say like, oh, well, people shouldn't be risking their lives to make money. People do that all the time. Yeah. You know, you got underwater welders. They get paid more because it's a dangerous job. The risk of losing your life or doing that job is probable. Electrical line they workers. They get paid more than normal welders, people who aren't yeah. welding underwater. People who climb the cell phone towers and stuff. You're at a thousand feet. Yeah, it's scary. Military people, they're out risking their lives. That's a job you sign up for. They probably get paid crap (coughs) because they're working for the government. Right, right. (laughs) They do get paid crap. But any job where you risk your life, I mean, or or you have giant responsibility of risking other people's lives, like look at airline airline pilots. Yeah. You know, things like that. Like you're responsible for 100 plus souls on board. Look at a doctor. What are you responsible for if you do something incorrectly and someone dies? Right. You know, you you get these prices that are dictated by the risk to make you take on that risk so someone will actually fulfill that position. So, it, so And not only do they make a, a good money, but at the same time, they're willing to do that risk. And they're willing, when you make that much money and you have that kind of risk and that kind of responsibility, you tend to be more careful yeah. as well. And it doesn't work out always. There are still careless people. Yeah, yeah. But you have to look at it that way. So before you say, oh, man, the grocery store owner, like if they're – Making more money, they're more willing to risk their lives in a hurricane. Well, that's what people do all the time. Yeah. You have to look at the risk that you're willing to take on and be like, okay, you can do this experiment with your friends. Like, hey, man, um, would you let me shoot you in the foot for a million dollars? Like if might, you might do it. Yeah. I would. Or whatever. The, now what if it's four or five hundred dollars? Yeah. You say, no, it's not worth the risk. <laughs> Yeah. It's not worth the risk of something going wrong. Yeah. I wouldn't do something it. Something going wrong. <laughs> yeah. So you everybody has that line, you know, you play those games all the time. This like, is this is a situation where you have to take the bad with the good because there are people who will take advantage of the situation. 
and who will charge higher prices when, say, they don't need to. Maybe they've got a warehouse full of these supplies and they know they're not going to run out of the supplies, but because they can get a higher price, well, they raise it way up. Uh, so you have some of the bad with the good. you got to take that because you're, you have to look at the alternative. What's better, that all the supplies are completely gone or that you actually still have some availability of those supplies? Anytime you try price controls, you end up with shortages. People literally can't get that good. And that's not better than being able to get the good at a higher price. And by the way, everyone, everywhere you go today is charging the highest price they think you'll pay for that good. That's all price gouging is, by the way. Everywhere you go, when you go buy gas, the gas station is charging the highest price they think they can charge for you to still buy gas. When you go to Walmart, they're charging the highest price they think you'll pay to, for them to be able to make money off of it. A restaurant, anywhere you go, Amazon's got the highest prices they think you'll pay for that good and still use their service. So when it comes to price gouging, the same rule applies. People are charging the highest price they think you'll pay. For it that happens, good it happens here in Nashville. Yeah. You know, the the <clears throat> the richest community, the richest county in Nashville, uh, surrounding area is Williamson County. And in Williamson County, you're going to pay about 50 cents higher on gas yeah. than anywhere else. Now, I wouldn't only say that that's just through strictly supply and demand. Those stores also have higher property taxes. Right. They've got to pay people more that work there because it's a more expensive area to live in. So they do have a lot more business expenses than, say, a gas station would here in, you know, around an Antioch would, around Nashville. Right. They've got higher taxes on their property they have to pay so they've got higher bills that they have to cover so i don't think it's it's not only because they know there's rich people in the area so they can charge it but it's, but part it's a of lot it, though. of it. yeah yeah it's it's Definitely a lot a part of it. charlie you want to tell me the difference this this uh let's give a comparison between the coronavirus and influenza i want to know whether or not we should really be worried about this as if it's the next epidemic the next pandemic that's going to kill everyone yeah. So there's so, a, there's an article here coronavirus versus flu if you want to if you want to do that. To give you a too long didn't listen. <laughs> TRDL instead of didn't read. Uh too long no, sorry TLDL. Yeah. Too long didn't listen. Yeah. The answer is no. This is something <laughs> that they're trying to scare you about. Uh but uh, you know in the United States the flu is still worse by the way. So anyway, let me give you some stats on that. Uh, this is from weforum.org. That's the World Economic Forum. World, World Economic Forum. Coronavirus versus the flu. How do they compare? Well, the World Health Organization, the WHO, the WHO, by the way, not the band. This is the organization. <laughs> has declared the coronavirus outbreak to be a public health emergency. 2019, the NCOV. Is that the coronavirus? the coronavirus? Yeah. yeah. Killed more than 200 people and infected more than 9,000 since it was first identified in Wuhan. So just China. to clarify, that's not in 2019. That's how many it killed. The coronavirus technical name is, oh, 20, is 2019 in COV. Yeah, okay, there we go. Yeah. Um, it has a higher case fatality ratio and a higher reproduction number than influenza, meaning it could spread more widely. China is in the grip of a new coronavirus outbreak, which is spreading to the rest of the world. As of January 30th, there have been cases of novel coronavirus in all regions of mainland China and at least 18 other countries. It has killed more than 200 people, Reuters reports, with more than 9,300 confirmed cases. Quote, our greatest concern is the potential of the virus to spread to countries with weaker health systems and which are ill prepared to deal with it. At the same time, in the northern hemisphere, it's flu season. So far in the U.S., there have been around 15 million illness, illnesses 
and more than 8,200 deaths, according to the Centers for Disease Can we get those numbers again? Can we get those numbers again? Coronavirus, which you should be scared about, has infected 9,300 people. Around the entire world. Around the entire world. And, um, And more than 200 people have died from it. In just the Northern Hemisphere, it's flu season, and so far, just in the U.S., there have been around 15 million flu illnesses and more than 8,200 deaths, according to the CDC. So how does the coronavirus compare to the flu? That's, well, a, that's a pretty epic number difference right there. It's massive. By the way, like, I'm scared of the flu after reading this. Yeah, you're like, damn, <laughs> the damn coronavirus, I should have got my flu shot. The coronavirus has made me more scared of the flu. You're like, I hope I get the coronavirus so I don't get the flu. (laughs) Maybe the flu is scared of the coronavirus. I wish I had that. All right. Deadliness. The severity of an illness can be measured by its case fatality or death to case ratio. In percentage terms, 0.05% of those who had the flu this season in the United States have died from it. Worldwide, annual flu epidemics are estimated to result to about three to five million cases of severe illness, according to the WHO and about 290,000 to 650,000 respiratory deaths based on the figures so far around the new coronavirus outbreak, which causes fever and a cough 2.2% of those with confirmed cases have died. So right now it's uh, death to case ratio is a little bit higher, but we have no advances in medical yeah, that's science that's, for this. That's a difference. So uh, further on in this article, it said that the, for instance, if you think about the Spanish flu and all the people that died from that, we didn't have a flu vaccine at that time. And its death to case ratio, ratio was about 5% at that time. So when we didn't have a vaccine for the flu, it was killing about 5% of the people that got it. And now while, while we don't have a vaccine for the coronavirus, it's killing about 2.2% of the people who don't have it. That's the part that people are really leaving out. Meaning the, the death ratio for the flu has gone down to 0.05% of the people who get the flu now will actually die from it. And it started from a 5% death rate. We've got the coronavirus, which is at a 2.2% death rate, meaning it could actually get down to a 0.02 or 3% death rate if it followed the same ratio as the flu did. Meaning it's still not, like I know it's bad right now, we don't have a vaccine for it. So we need to pay attention to it, obviously. We need to be working on creating the vaccine. But it doesn't mean that it's a more deadly virus than the flu is. We just don't have a vaccine for it. Then we have, when you're vaccinated, you still get the flu. You can still get it, but you're able to fight it off better it doesn't mean you're not going to get the flu well let me explain some medical knowledge to you for those of you out there who are not sure about the differences okay so what what's the difference between bacteria and a virus well a bacterial a a bacteria or um, any type of infection that you get that is a bacterial infection well that is an organism that has a dna profile it's a DNA, which um, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it stands for because that doesn't matter. <laughs> but it has a certain a certain nomenclature and a certain structure. Okay, now they can mutate a little bit from that, which humans can mutate as well. You can change out your chromosomes and stuff. But the chromosomes that make up the DNA for uh, a bacterial infection are relatively stay the same. That's why we can fight them with antibiotics. Specific <laughs> antibiotics will actually kill bacteria. Now. Why don't antibiotics work for viruses? Well, viruses are, are made up. Their, their structure, their chromosomes, are what's called 
RNA. RNA is an interchangeable DNA system, not DNA system. It's, it's an RNA system. It's an interchangeable amino acids and proteins that are put together to make up the organism, let's say. Now, I know I'm getting a little deep with you guys, but I want you to understand why it's so difficult to even make the flu viruses because the flu changes all the time. Yeah, it changes all the time because it's constantly this is why AIDS was so hard is so hard to cure. Right. Because AIDS was an RNA virus. And because its structure and its proteins and everything change all of the time, you can't really create a medicine that directly affects that particular. You can make it for that particular virus. But it's mutating constantly. And every year what they do with the flu virus, what what they do with the flu is they try to predict which components, which makeup of the virus is going to be the most widespread and deadly. Like flu A, flu B, flu, all that stuff. Right. Well, there's even more than that. Like they, you know, there's all these names and stuff that aren't, they're not important to you. But what they do is they were like, okay, well, based on our research and everything like that, we think that these versions of the flu virus are going to be the most potent this year. Well, that's what we'll make our vaccine for. Well, coronavirus, the, it could be another version of the flu or something like that. It has the same symptoms. You get a cough and congestion and um, what people are dying of probably is mostly from respiratory failure, which means you have too much fluid in your lungs that you can't get out, which yeah. is basically pneumonia. You get pneumonia, which is a bacterial infection. And it's mostly old people who have it's, died from this. Yes, yeah. mostly older people and small children or pregnant people. Those are yeah. the ones that are most at risk because yeah. your immune system isn't up to snuff, let's say, or up to par. Yeah. You know, most people our age, if you're a middle aged person, regular person, you're, you have nothing to fear. Coronavirus yeah. isn't going to get you. Your body is able to fight it off. It's mainly elderly people and things like that, which they die from the flu all the time. Yeah. You saw the numbers. And so to have that little bit of medical knowledge to understand what it is and why these things take time to develop viruses for look, mother nature's out to get you, man. Yeah. You know, you, we have natural disasters. We've got diseases, things we can't explain. You got cancer and all this stuff. There's no reason to panic. There's no reason to panic whatsoever. We have made it this far. Let me tell you. And we've seen some nasty stuff in our lifetime. Or not even, I'm sorry, not in our lifetime, in the human race lifetime. I mean, this is nothing compared to like the Black Plague. Yeah. You know, you or think the about the Spanish flu. Or the Spanish flu, <clears throat> or any other time where millions and millions of people have perished because we didn't have the advances in modern science that we do now. Now, look, if you happen to get the coronavirus, I bet this person probably is going to be just fine. They're in the hospital. They're going to get the care that they need. They're going to get some extra fluids. They're going to get things that are going to help them get the fluid out of their lungs, all of those things, and then probably be be fine by the time the body's able to, to develop. See, your body actually creates things that fight off these viruses. It's made to do that. It's a wonderful thing, you know, and you can't underestimate that power. What you have to do is make sure that the fluid and things that are, collecting in your lungs because that's what happens this is what most people die from you have to make sure that you're able to expel that while your body is fighting and actually killing the virus until you can get rid of it and that's what's going to happen for most people and while they're working on all this somebody is going to be developing a ever-changing um an ever-changing shot vaccine. a, a vaccine to help combat this so that if you get the shot then even if you contract coronavirus, your body has already developed a certain type of T cell. It's a white blood cell 
that goes and attacks these things. They consume mm-hmm. them. If you ever want to watch it on a microscope, it's just unbelievable. It's so cool what your body can do. Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. No. <laughs> Did no. you stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I know about these things. I did go to school for uh, medical um, things. <laughs> that was very vague. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did. Charlie was going to be a nurse at first. I went that's, to nursing school. That's what school. he wanted to do. Yes. But I also am very interested in the body and I'm in it. I've, I've, you know, taken microbiology. I've taken anatomy and physiology one and two. I've had all these courses and studies and I continue. My girlfriend is an ER nurse. And so we, uh, well, I love to bounce things off of her and, and understand and get the knowledge. I already knew about RNA and DNA and proteins and all that stuff, but to get the ongoing knowledge, especially from her, it's just a cool thing. And it's, it's, it's neat to be able to understand how these things actually affect you so that when you hear these reports coming out, this all this fear mongering, you can actually understand what's actually happening. So you don't have to fear. Yeah. You know, it's just this, <sighs> this outbreak. You don't have to sell all your stocks and <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be like, Oh my God, the world's the next, coming into an end, coming to an end. This is, <laughs> this is what they do all the time. This is just the sheer numbers. Like uh, I understand that this is bad and I don't want anyone to die from anything ever. Uh, that's my stance on the issue. That's my stance on death, by the way. I don't want anyone to die from anything ever. All right. So just so we have that clear. I'm against death. I'm against death. In any shape, form, okay. or fashion. <laughs> but I'm about the light. <laughs> but good Lord, when you've got millions of cases of the flu already this year and, and over 8,000 people in the United States that have died from flu-related illnesses since the coronavirus started, how do you have so much fear towards the coronavirus? It's, it's crazy. I, I don't understand it whatsoever. It's so irrational. It always reminds me of, it always reminds me of the scene. This is random. It reminds me of the scene in the dark night where the Joker's saying that people freak out about things that aren't supposed to happen. You know, he's talking about how if you, uh, what did he say? Oh, if you told someone that a truckload of soldiers was going to be blown up next, you know, tomorrow, well, no one would freak out about that. But if you told them that one person was going to get shot somewhere, well, and everyone, everyone loses their mind. And this, this reminds me of that because we expect the deaths from the flu. We know about the flu. It's been around for a long time. Hundreds of thousands of people, probably on average about 500,000 people every single year die from the flu. But we know about it and we've accepted it and it's part of our lives. Then we get this new thing that comes in and is nowhere close to the numbers on the flu. Not even close whatsoever. And we're treating it like we've got some type of a pandemic going around killing people. It's, it's just irrational. It's, it's fear mongering. And I don't know. I, we're going to make a vaccine. That's what's going to happen. We're going to make the vaccine. And then everyone's going to be okay. Like that's what's going to happen. Newsflash. They'll well, make a vaccine. No, not everyone. Cause they're going to charge, you know, a hundred thousand yeah. dollars for this vaccine. Obviously they will. Yeah. Uh, you know, the flu vaccine is so expensive. It's so I, I could this, barely afford to get yeah. my flu shot. What do they charge now at Walgreens for that? Like $15? Yeah. <laughs> Something well, like that. Not, like if you walk in the store and you buy a candy bar, yeah. they're like, Hey, get your free yeah, flu get, shot get flu with shot. the candy bar. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you get your prescriptions filled here. We're giving away free flu shots. Today. Exactly. My <laughs> wife's work. They give free flu shots every single year to everyone who works there. Oh yeah. There's no way you could ever afford to get a vaccine way too expensive but according to some people i just can't even i can't even with this this is how i'm going to end the show because i do have to go soon yeah 
um my brother god love him <laughs> you know he's so smart I, I do love your brother i've always known he's so smart that he's, he's a nurse by the way he's got the best intentions and his heart is in the right place in every single thing that he believes overall he's got the best intentions he does and he's a good dude yeah my brother is a good dude i love him with all my heart but god he's so wrong he's so wrong so trey if you're listening to this <laughs> which I'm, you're, I'm sure you're not bernard, bernard thompson but i'm going to send this episode to you i'm gonna listen to you my brother posted this uh it's this comes from this is on facebook um the facebook page he shared from is titled inhumans of late capitalism <laughs> so uh this is coming from at organ organ progress well you know that state's doing well um oh oregon yeah sorry Not like organ pro progress like oregon like your liver yeah progressing over time or oregon oregon yeah okay anyway this guy tweeted out just so you know, and then it got shared to Facebook. I don't know what the United States expects me to do if I catch the coronavirus. <laughs> I can't afford the bill to go get tested for it. And I'm sure as hell can't afford the three weeks of self-quarantine if I do get it. Capitalism. <laughs> Evil, greedy capitalism built a system that you can't afford to do the right thing. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And what was your response to that? Uh, let me give you my response. Uh, I went away. Let me let me look it up for you real quick. My <laughs> response had something to the essence of, you actually can't afford it. We talk about this all the time. What the hell are your priorities? So, by the way, this was a tweet, just so you know. So I put an asterisk on here because he forgot the rest of his post. <laughs> asterisk posted from my $1,000 iPhone on my $1,200 a year network facilitator. So if you got like Verizon, it probably costs you a hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Over the year, you're paying $1,200 to be on Verizon or AT&T. Even if you have cricket, you're paying 600 bucks a, a year. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, you know, you could get a free phone, but over time or whatever, I mean, you're paying for these phones, especially one that can access Twitter. He or probably, you have a computer or something. He probably just watched something about an epidemic on Netflix, more than likely. Right. So anyway, a $1,200 a year network facilitator while enjoying my $1,200 a year comfort of heat and air conditioning, you know, because you live, you spend about $100 a month on electricity on average, probably, for your heat and air. You don't need those things. You know, you can just have blankets and, and you can sweat it out. That's what I did when I was a kid, by the way. My yeah. grandmother wouldn't turn on the freaking air conditioning. <laughs> she said, when you start paying for the bills, you can turn it on. And I said, yes, ma'am, I will. Anyway, complaining about a virus that originated in a communist country. <laughs> this has nothing to do with capitalism. I'm so sick and tired of capitalism being blamed. It's like, look, if you weren't complaining on Twitter and you weren't spending your money on needless things in your life, you know, like a phone. You can't. Human beings can't survive without cell phones, Charlie. That's just ridiculous. Did it for thousands of years. No, no, you can't live without a cell phone. That's insane. What you want is you want your cake and you want to eat it, too. Yeah. You want everything. You think everything is owed to you. Well, newsflash, it's not. Yep. You don't need TV. You don't need the Internet. In you fact, you're choosing all of those things over a potentially life-saving vaccine. You're choosing all of those <laughs> things above your own health care. You know? It doesn't, even if, even if it costs you uh, $4,000 to get tested and be off work for three weeks or $10,000, you could cut your budget down and save up that money to where if it's between life and death, 
and doing the right thing, you could actually afford it. But well, you just, don't want to. Just imagine what you want to have pay? a car payment. Yeah, you want to have your TV service. You want to have your cell phone. You want to have the internet. You want to go eat cake pops every Friday night with your friends. You want to <laughs> go out to eat all Is the that time. What the kids are doing these I days, don't know. going out eating cake pops. I don't know. They're <laughs> posting on TikTok and eating cake pops. <laughs> Throw Mentos like, in their diet cokes. Yeah, exactly. You want to do all these things, but yet. What gets put on the back burner is your health care for some reason. What would you pay for a new car, Charlie? What would you pay? Imagine like, oh, I'm totally fine. My well, new- for me, I'm like, ah, $50,000 yeah. check. That's not very expensive. I got a Honda Accord, a 2018. Uh, it was $22,000 after I pay for it for the next five or six years. I can't remember what I even signed up for. Probably six. After I pay for it for six years, I'm going to pay upwards of $30,000 for the car. Yet, if I got a bill from a doctor that literally saved my life that was $30,000 that I had to pay on for a few years... I would flip my shit, man. Stop the madness. Stop this. This is greed. It's, this is terrible. It's Capitalism. Horrible. Oh my God. You just paid 30 grand for a car. What's more important in your life than staying alive? Good Lord. Well, this evil late stage capitalism, late man, stage. that's what. And you know what would actually get this vaccine everywhere? I'll tell you what's not going to get it everywhere is mandating this to be done through the government and mandating the government paying for the vaccine. That's how the cost of the vaccine is going to be very expensive. If you're producing the vaccine and you would like to make the most amount of money possible from that vaccine, how did Walmart get so big? Because they were the most expensive place with one store? Is that how they got really big? No, they're the cheapest place and they can sell things at two cents profit and they can do it over 20,000 locations. A company that makes this vaccine is going to say, well, I would like to sell this vaccine to 330 million people. What's the best way to do that? Well, the best way to do that would be to make about a $5 profit on every single shot that we do. When you have the government come in, they're going to mandate a price or they're going to be paying for it. Well, that all goes out the window. Well, the billionaires will pay for it, dude. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, that's who's going to pay for it. And yeah. the, the, the vaccine, instead of costing $100, well, the government, of course, and their altruism and, and just amazing efficiency will say, oh, we won't pay more than $500 per vaccine for this. And that's what the vaccine's going to cost. And then if you don't get it through the government, well, guess what? You got to pay $500 for it because that's what the market price that the government has set for the vaccine is going to be. That's what happens in healthcare all the time. Medicare says we won't pay more than $50,000 for this procedure. Well, we'll pay 50, 60, something like that. We'll pay for that. And then that becomes your market price. If you go through there and you don't have Medicare, you don't have insurance. Well, guess what? The market price for this service is $50,000. That's what you're going to have to pay because that's what all the taxpayer money is getting thrown into. You don't make the most money by charging an insane amount for your product. That is not how you make the absolute most. Look at Amazon. Look at Jeff Bezos being the richest person in the entire world. When you go look at a product on a shelf, do you say, you know what? I bet I can get this for more expensive on Amazon. No, that's not what you say at all. Amazon got so big because they can offer you things at a cheaper price. People who have big businesses know this. They know this, especially when it's a low priority item. Now, Apple can charge $1,200 for a cell phone because people's priorities are all messed up. That's why they can charge $1,200 because people will pay it. If people said, you know what, that's not really high priority on my list, I'll pay for a $300 cell phone, then Apple would have to lower their prices to get people to buy their products. But they don't have to because people's priorities are lined up on that. So when you have these low priority items like your health, when you have these low priority items, they got to charge $15 like what you would pay for a flu vaccine. 15, 30 bucks, something like that. Or free from your employer or free because you get your prescriptions filled at Walgreens. 
the this this entire notion that this is due to capitalism when we have a virus like you said that originated in China and that's where most of the spread's been that's where most of the business that's where most of the people have died who's got more control over the the market than freaking China Elizabeth Warren <laughs> like how that's can you what make she was saying wasn't it most people have died in communist China they can barely even use the internet. I can't post the word China on TikTok. It'll get zero views. This is I can't do that. They've got the most control over everyone out of anyone in the entire world almost because they've got a billion people and you're telling me that capitalism is going to be the problem. And this is what people who want more government, more power, they use these things to acquire. They use the fear and they're just like, oh, well, we, if you give us the power, we'll provide you all the security you need. And that's what Warren was saying. It's like, well, the CDC needs to have complete control over all of this. And the White House needs to direct it and all of this stuff. That's what China already does. Yeah. And they're the, that's where the outbreak freaking started. This is so maddening. It's crazy. It's I, know, so, uh, I know you got to go. It's 111. Um, I don't want you to be I'm late. I'm good. We're good. Okay. Yeah. I don't want you to be late. I'll be fine. Okay, fine. I'll yeah. Fine whatever but man. yeah i do have to go but it's fine <laughs> um yeah it's just it's crazy i don't understand trey uh your brother being a very very smart person talking about someone who got like a 32 on their acts you know super smart guy and can't piece together the fact that were that this virus originated in a country that has complete control over their markets that's where it originated how do you make the argument that the problem for the people is going to be capitalism I man, it doesn't make or any to sense, solve dude. the problem. We need more control. Yeah, more con like Elizabeth Warren was saying, we got to centralize all the CDC power and make sure that the White House is in complete control over this. And we let we let them make their own decisions. And that's a problem. So we've got to centralize the authority for preventing infectious diseases in the White House. Who's got more centralized authority than China? Other than a lot of the other terrible communist dictatorship nations. That, how, that like are out how there. much communism do you need? Yeah, Elizabeth Warren. Good Lord. Bernie Sanders. By the way, that's one thing we need to talk about. It looks like Super Tuesday is next week. This is coming up soon. Yeah. Looks like old BS might be the Democratic nominee. I know, man. The value of BernieLies.com is skyrocketing. What are they going to do, by the <laughs> way? What are they going to do if he actually gets the nomination? How are they going to try to screw him over? I don't think they'll have to. I mean, it's pretty clear that he's going to... Oh, you mean the Democratic Party to stop him yes. from actually... Yeah. Um, I They could get it say that it's close enough to have that brokered convention, contested convention, whatever it is, and they could they could weasel their way into some votes and, you know, pull some stuff out that way. Pull well, we still old, have all the super delegates. Pull the old Ron Paul on, uh, you know, like the Republican Party did on him. Not that he was going to win, but they did remove some delegates that he should have had. They barred him from speaking at the convention, which he should have been able to do. Uh, so they... You know, they'll pull out some stuff if they if they truly want to get someone else. They've they've got it written in their rules where they can have the final say on it. Right. Don't think they don't. You know, that's 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 how it's going to be. You could still have old old Hillary Clinton come in and take it over. I don't think that's actually going to happen. I'm still sticking with my Bloomberg prediction. You think Bloomberg's going to be it? Well, I, even if he doesn't get, you know, any delegates on Super Tuesday, I still think somehow the DNC is going to twist it and make him the nomination like he's going to buy it i think he's the biggest threat to trump i i, I yeah. do think that and i think they in their political knowledge i think they know that that he is the biggest threat to trump in the election um because he is successful he's worth more than trump is um he's 
the you know not an insane radical although he is an insane radical but he's not by today's standards right you know <laughs> so I, I i think the union people could go for him people who own businesses could go for him they're gonna feel that trust in a guy that's got that net worth and has had businesses and and things like that so he's the biggest threat to trump and if they're gonna pull something out of their hat and uh and get someone into the nomination i i agree that it will be bloomberg that they force if they don't allow bernie to have it yeah. and then there'll be riots everywhere you know <laughs> just riots peaceful tolerant riots yeah, all, all those bs place. supporters are gonna be so passed yeah so guys hey we're gonna start going live again next week we haven't gone live in a while uh we're gonna we've been really busy charlie's been sick every single day or gone we haven't been going live we're gonna start going live next week on patreon Ooh, that greedy capitalist coming out of us right there <laughs> so if you want to watch the this podcast pay live, for our virus we pay for our vaccine <laughs> we will be streaming live on patreon to save up money for our coronavirus vaccination and uh you should go support us on patreon the lowest level is five dollars you can watch us live at that level or you can pay more and get an extra podcast episode you can get all these video blogs we'll do live q a's things like that we're going to be doing all sorts of stuff on patreon exclusive content if you want to go support us supporting liberty that's what you will be doing getting this message out there to a lot of people so if you don't watch live we're going to be going live on patreon we'll we'll upload the videos at a later date afterwards but if you want to be here live for it then you're going to have to go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty well and so you guys know it really this money doesn't actually go into our pockets it, it doesn't you know i want yeah. to be clear about that we are growing this show and it's growing in leaps and bounds. We're doing all kinds of really cool things. We've got, and we've got an interview coming up tomorrow. We've got all kinds of really cool things that we're doing. The numbers keep going up every single week, new listeners from everywhere. So that's what we're focused on. We need your help in growing the show. So you guys need to share it. We need your dollars so we can spend on more advertising and things like that. That's how you actually grow. So those of you, I think we've got two supporters at the $30 a month. So thank you for that. Those of you that are giving that amount or any amount that you actually give, whether it's $5, whatever, to be able to watch us live, you get all the bonus content and we're putting all that money back into advertising. In fact, we've already spent more on advertising than we're receiving. Oh, so, yeah. so we are all about growing this movement, growing this show. Well, and that $30 level includes you being able to choose what we run advertisements on. Yeah. So uh, we have one person who said uh, pro Second Amendment, run some ads on that. We have one person who said uh, stuff about healthcare, run some ads on articles about the healthcare system. Um, and, you know, we were very appreciative to people at all levels. We got the person at a, at a $5 level, too, and they're getting all kinds of exclusive content, including a 25% discount on our merch store for our shirts and things like that. So and all the video blogs. So even the $5 level, you can get in on some cool stuff and it's just going to go back towards advertising. We're not taking it home. You know, that, that's not what we're doing now. Eventually, someday down the road, the advertising can lead to us taking something home but right now we got to get this message out there we got to make sure people are hearing the right information so that's why you got to go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty so you can support getting the liberty message out there in front of as many people as you possibly can and nate did you tell people about the trading class not today uh no, have we not done that today now today was a good today was a good day crazy market day actually all the all the stocks that have anything to do with the coronavirus are popping like crazy that's manufacturers of masks of any type of uh, medical equipment of wait wait, drugs. wait wait hang on nate yeah you're telling me there's still money to be made when the market's going down oh yeah 
Oh, oh yeah. wow. There's always stocks that are popped up a lot. Well, I mean, the market's down over a thousand points. How in the world could you be making money? We're not in long term here. We can be on that day. Hey, guess what? You could have been in short on something. You could have been short. That's why we day trade. I don't like long term trading. Well, I do what, day I'm, trading. what I'm getting at, though, is you have to learn these things. Yeah. yeah. Even when the market's going down. There's still money yeah. to be made. We are not, people are making lots of money. We are not down this week like no. the market is. Nope. We're, we're not. So so that's a good thing. We're going to be taking you from the very basics, literally getting your first stock charting platform, learning what it is that you're looking at. We'll go over the stock ordering platform, what it is that you're looking at, everything involved in that different indicators, different technical analysis, what our actual strategies are that we trade every single day. We'll be going through all of those things for 47 bucks a month. It's the cheapest one out there by far. And that's because we're already trading. We've already got the live equipment here. We've already got the cameras. We got all this stuff. All I got to do is hit a button and you guys will be able to see what we're doing. So go on there. You can send me an email. The website is not live yet, although it's pretty much finished. You can send me an email if you're interested. So you're you're on the email list. So I can send you the information as soon as the website is open, which will be on March 4th, Wednesday, March 4th. The website will be open to start taking people. And uh, we'll send you an email reminding you, letting you know what the details are. If you send me an email, nate at goodmorningliberty.us, you'll get added to that list for people that want to be in the trading class, that want to earn an income in maybe just a couple hours of work every single day. I mean, it's it's crazy what you can do. The potential is limitless when it comes to trading in the market. You just got to know how to manage your risk. You got to know what you're looking at. And uh, you can actually, it's possible. A lot of people are doing this and making money. And so why not you? Might as well be you. Well, okay. and here's the other thing is you said it was $47 a month. Well, that's actually not true because it's free. Now, those of you listening now, you missed out on our early bird special that we were doing. So you're not going to get the discount if you continue on, but you still get a free seven day trial. So you could look, you could sign up, look at the coursework and be like, nah, this isn't for me. And you could decide not, nah, no, thanks. Not going to do it. And you cancel. So then it costs you nothing, yep. but you get a week, a whole week for free. And after that, if you want to continue on, then yes, it's $47 a month, but that's a small price to pay for all of the knowledge that you are going to gain and you can learn even if the market's going down you can still make money it's such a beautiful thing we got to look at it's what so beautiful. what could you make from this are you going to make an an income off of this for the rest of your life is that your goal do you want to make 60 100 grand a year just trading a couple hours a day i'm not guaranteeing you that because everyone's different people are going to make bad decisions sometimes sometimes the market bounces in the wrong direction i'm not guaranteeing you an income, but legally you can't I guarantee, can't anything. guarantee you no. an income. So that's why I said that because legally these, I cannot. They have yeah. these disclaimers. Yeah, there's got to be a disclaimer on the page. That way you can't sue me if you end up taking the class <laughs> and you end up taking a trade. I said I was going to trade and you lose money. You can't come after me for the money you lost. So there are disclaimers on there. But think about how much money you can make doing this. Do you want to do this for your career for the rest of your life? What do you want to make every single year? 60, 100 grand a year multiplied over the amount of years you think you're going to be doing that what's 47 dollars a month compared to that nothing it's nothing at all or even if you just do it as a side hustle yeah, yeah. maybe it's something you're like oh i want to test this out you know you've never thought of another way to generate income you know on average most millionaires have seven income streams seven how many do you got right now nate and i are working on four yes yeah 
Four. We're not to seven yet, which means we're not millionaires yet. Yeah. <laughs> when we get to but, seven. Yes. Yeah. When we get to seven, that's when it becomes millionaire status. Yep. 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 So, but I'm just, I say that to say, how many income streams do you have? Now, maybe you have a job making a million dollars a year. I don't know. Um, maybe you don't, but on average, seven income streams. So maybe it could be a side hustle for you or something, at least another avenue. And worst case scenario, you understand what trading is. You understand the markets, which actually applies to your life. There's nothing better than that. So send Nate an email, Nate at goodmorningliberty.us to get in on that. It starts in less than a week, guys. Six days. Six days and the website goes live. You guys can start getting in there and learning. Our members can start getting in there. We already have a nice list. People that got in on the early bird special. I'm so excited for all of you to join us in that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So send Nate an email, Nate at goodmorningliberty.us. Another way that you guys can get involved in the show. We mentioned Patreon. We mentioned Liberty Trading Academy, which is going to ex exponentially improve your life. Um, you can share the show. It's all about getting the message out. Share the show with a friend. Send it to five people. Tell them to take the 195 challenge. <laughs> Just send a text message to people like, hey, are you interested in the 195 challenge? And they're going to be like, what's that? Be like, let me tell you something. I got 195 episodes for you to listen to. How much time you got, my man? Send it off to them. Send it to five people and then leave us a rating and review if you think that the show is any good whatsoever because those algorithms help spread the message. And that's those are the simple, easy things that you guys can do to help get the message of liberty out there, which is what most people actually believe in. We're just giving them an outlet to listen to and bounce ideas off of and defeat socialism all at the same time. So if you guys are into that, do all that. If you do that, we will be back again tomorrow to do this all over again. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Whenever you wake up you know, in the morning. <laughs>